Paul uh, goes from unity. We've been talking about unity, right? We're supposed to be a unified church. One church. One unit. And I understand, though, that Paul now goes to the, from the ways that we're similar and what we have in common to uh, the way that we differ from each other. There is uh, individuality within the unity of the Spirit. There's individuals in the church. And praise God for diversity in the church. Uh, what if everyone in our church was just like you? Now, that would be a problem because not everything, uh, not, not one person can take care of all the things that a church needs to take care of. But also, we would get kind of uh, bent out of shape with even ourselves. Because even we don't agree with ourselves all the time, okay? But if everyone was just like us, that would be a boring church. But praise God for some diversity. We have different, as the Bible calls us, tells us we have different gifts. God gave us a gift uh, when we got saved. A spiritual gift. And... Um, we have, uh, if you want, you can go at some point, just write it down now, but 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 12, Paul talks about different, uh, the, uh, different aspects of our spiritual gifts. These are different than abilities that we're born with. Gifts, spiritual gifts, are different than uh, physical abilities, like athletic abilities, or uh, maybe you have some academic abilities. But when you got saved... You were given a spiritual gift, a spiritual blessing in your life. And a spiritual gift, now here's what it is. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service and ministry. Our spiritual gifts are not for ourselves necessarily. They're for others. See, that's why we have a problem in our churches in America. Because most people look at church as something for themselves. What am I going to get out of it? And as soon as they stop getting something out of it, when they bled that church dry, they go to the next church and bleed that church dry, and they go to the next church and try to get more out of that church. But my friend, if we would just realize that the church is not just for us, it's for each other, then we would be able to exercise our spiritual gift, and God would bless uh, others through us. And by the way, when God blesses others through us, guess who else gets blessed? We get blessed. I'm so thankful for how God does things. He blesses others through us if we yield to him, but then we also get a blessing from that. Sometimes we look, well, I need to get, be a blessing to this brother over here. And, and they really need my help. They really need encouragement. And then when we go and be a blessing to them, we're shocked to find out that we didn't realize it, but we need to be blessed too. We got a blessing just by being a comfort or being a, uh, somebody that would admonish. Say a word of admonishment sometimes. Say a word of encouragement. Be a blessing. Maybe do something. But I'm always, I'm always blessed when I allow God to work through me to bless others. There are at least three different lists of spiritual gifts that are given in the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and then here in Ephesians chapter 4. And these lists aren't identical. They're not all the same. And so uh, maybe it's that Paul doesn't list all the gifts that are available. But Paul wrote uh, some gifts. He said there are more 
gifts are more important than others, but all, that all believers are needed if the body is to function correctly. The body of Christ is the church. And if the church is to function correctly, then all the members of that body need to be in the body and functioning and working in that body. Here in uh, Ephesians 4, Paul named not so much gifts as he does gifted men that he has placed in the church. And here are four of them. First of all, we see apostles and prophets. Go with me there in verse number 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation ministry of the church. This is where we got our scripture from. The apostles and the prophets, uh, Paul is speaking of, of those that gave us the Bible. And uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 7, I'll show you a passage we've already looked at. But go back with me. It's only a page uh, back in your Bible, or towards the front, I should say. You know, I always get confused with that. Is it back or is it forward? You know, go forward or go backward. But I, I say go back, okay? Uh, not to the back, but to the front. If that's not confusing, it's, then, then you're, you're, you're more with it than I am right now. But uh, go back to Ephesians chapter number 3. And uh, how many of you are still working off some of that turkey and uh, some of that eggnog? How many of you had some eggnog for Thanksgiving? Oh, some of you are afraid to admit it. I saw that hand kind of, I didn't know if I didn't want to. Didn't know if I wanted to put my hand up on that. But we had some uh, eggnog, some turkey, some ham. And um, I kept going back for that pumpkin pie. And uh, we also had some uh, pumpkin something or another. There was, there was all kinds of stuff to eat. I'm so thankful for that. How many of you, uh, how many of you got to uh, maybe get to go to somebody's house this week? You went to somebody else's house? That's wonderful. How many of you had somebody over to your house this week? That's great. All right, so I'm still working off some of that turkey and still trying to fight through it here this morning. But uh, I need to go. Uh, I got a little walk in this morning, but I got off track. I was being bad this week, and uh, I was not getting my walk in every day. So I got to get back on track. Amen. And so um, verse number four, chapter three, the Bible says, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man as it is now. Key word. Next word. Read it with me. Revealed. What do we call this? This is the revelation. The word of God is revelation to us. He reveals his word to us through the scripture here. And uh, we see that it is now, verse number five, revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. See, that's a, a scripture that shows us that the Word of God was inspired. One of many that shows us the inspiration of the Word of God. It was given to the apostles and to the prophets by the Spirit. We'll keep reading there, verse number, uh, verse number 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of, of the grace of God unto me uh, by the effectual working of his power. And I want you to understand that God gave us his word through apostles and prophets, but now he speaks through his word. He uses his word as apostles and prophets, preachers of the word. An apostle really is, just means sent one. 
We've, we've been in John 20, 21. We've looked at that verse many times. But we are all sent. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. We are sent ones. Now, we don't have the apostolic ministry. Don't get confused. The, the apostolic ministry is closed, okay, as far as uh, the, all the sign gifts and all of these other things that were necessary before the Scripture was canonized and given to us in this form. But we are apostles in the sense that we are sent by God. Uh, if you're confused about that, there's five times in the Scriptures where God, through Jesus Christ, sends us as apostles to reach the entire world with the gospel. And then the prophet is really, uh, what a prophet is, is somebody that um, proclaims the word of God. And so we are given a commission. We're told to go uh, and preach the word. And that is the ministry of the apostle and the prophet. We'll go back with me to Ephesians chapter 4. All right, so we have some apostles and some prophets. This is a gift to the church. Do you know that Paul didn't have what we have today? Did you know that uh, Peter, when he preached on the day of Pentecost, he didn't have what we have today? He was an apostle, but the scripture wasn't recorded yet. But what we have is something so powerful and, and so special to us in this church age. We have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God indwelling us. And so it behooves us and is our command to go with the Word and preach, preach the glorious message, the good news that Jesus saves. And, and so we, we have a great, powerful tool at our disposal, and we must go. And so he gives to the church, verse 11, apostles and prophets. But then let's continue on. Secondly, we see some evangelists, okay? Uh, some, uh, some people understand what evangelism is. It's a Greek word, which means to, uh, pr- uh, to, uh, uh, to present the gospel, okay? Evangelion. Uh, the uh, one that goes with the message and preaches the word and he evangelizes, uh, brings good news. And, uh, and the evangelist is somebody especially equipped to bring men and women and boys and girls to Christ. There are some people in the body of Christ that have a special gift. They have the gift of the evangelist where uh, God has uh, supernaturally equipped them to be able to preach the gospel effectively and very, uh, they're very uh, succinct and very uh, gifted as far as uh, being able to, uh, to, uh, to take the word and, and, and with the power of God to, to get into the hearts of men and women and boys and girls and bring people to Christ. We think of evangelists, uh, uh, maybe Billy Graham or somebody like that, that was well known for bringing thousands and thousands to Christ. Not everyone has that special gift, but there are some that have it. But if we don't have the gift, we're still supposed to preach the word. And we're supposed to do the work of the evangelist, the work of the evangelist. I think of Adrian Rogers. Uh, Somebody said of him, I heard years ago, somebody said of him that he was a reaper he was an evangelist. He was able to reap the harvest of souls. He was a reaper, and reapers reap because he saw thousands and thousands come to Christ through his preaching. But just because we don't have that uh, special gift, 
We're supposed to do the work of an evangelist. The pastor is supposed to do that work. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. The Bible says, Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. I, I don't care who you are in the body of Christ, whether your gift is that of uh, administration or helps, or maybe you have the gift of an evangelist. We're all supposed to preach and, and, and declare the word and it's supposed to uh, do what we can by the power of God and by God's grace to bring people to Christ. Amen. And so whether you're equipped to do that or not, uh, uh, supernaturally, I, I would say, or you have that gifting, we're still supposed to do it. So today, just like in Paul's day, the evangelist is one who bears good news. Read the book of Acts. They traveled from place to place preaching the news. They were the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. And then we see finally here, look at verse number 11. We see pastors and teachers. Not pastors then teachers, but pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers. Uh, that, that is a one, one office, the pastor-teacher. The pastor means, does anyone know what that word means? That means shepherd. Shepherd. He is to shepherd the sheep, okay? Uh, he's supposed to take care of the flock. He's supposed to take the oversight. He's supposed to watch out for anything that might come into the flock and try to harm the sheep. Uh, you think about uh, in, in a real world sense uh, of a, a real sheep or a, a, a flock of sheep and a real shepherd, uh, there are different things that are going to come into the sheepfold or into the herd to try to take and destroy and kill the sheep, which are so precious to the shepherd. But the shepherd's job is to protect. You think about a wolf or maybe a fox or a coyote or whatever could come in and take down a sheep. Or maybe the shepherd is trying to protect the sheep from themselves. You know, so unfortunately, we are, uh, we are sheep, but uh, real world situation, the sheep, they're not very smart. They're kind of uh, the, a simple creature, and they need some help. They need somebody to, uh, to guide them and lead them and, uh, and, and encourage them to say, hey, don't go near the cliff, okay? You're going to fall off and kill yourself. You're going to trip and break a limb. And, uh, and the shepherd's job is to keep the sheep away from harm, out of harm's way. Amen. And so the shepherd of the, of the church is Jesus Christ. But my job is to be an under shepherd, a pastor, the pastor of the sheep. And so we see that the pastor is there. And then we see the teacher, the teacher. His job is to feed the flock, feed the sheep to uh, to help them grow and to mature. Look at verse number 12, and we're done this morning. Verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints. All right, I've, I've broken this down a little bit. We have three different things here. Number one, for, for the perfecting of the saints. We're maturing the saints. For why? For ministry. Follow me here. Now, you're the saints, right? And I'm the pastor teacher. My job is to help you mature and to grow so that you can minister. Look at the next verse or the next phrase. For the work of the ministry. Go back to verse number 12, the third word in. Perfect. For the perfecting. 
Perfect does not mean like we would think of the word perfect. I'm not here to make you perfect because that's only something that Christ can do. He has done if you're saved. You're perfect in Him. Praise God. Positionally, we are saints in Christ. You are the saints, the perfected, truly perfected saints. But here on earth, our job is to uh, submit to Christ and submit to His Word and to grow and mature in our spiritual walk, okay? Because, you know, we need some, we need some growth here. And we're going to be growing until we go to be with God. And so uh, the word perfect means to make you mature. And so the perfecting of the saints, the pastor, the teacher, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. So you think about this, verse 11. Apostles and prophets gave us the word, amen? The evangelist brought us to Christ. And the pastor teacher is to sanctify and help us grow in our sanctification as Christians. See, there is a progression there. For the perfecting of the saints, why? What are we being matured to do for the work of the ministry? Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? You might say, well, pastor, you're supposed to do the work of the ministry. No, I'm sorry, friend. You, the people, all of us together are to do the work of the ministry. That'd be a good place to say amen right there. Amen. We're supposed to work together Because we're on the same team with the same goal, unified, but we have different places in the body, right? The pastor's job is to mature the church, to get us to the point where we're not only coming for activity, but we're coming for ministry, okay? Now, now, now it's fun to get together in fellowship, and I love fellowshipping, but we should have more come out to soul winning, then we have come out for ice skating, okay? You might be saying, don't worry, Pastor. I'm not, I'll, I'll be at soul winning. I'm not coming to ice skating, okay? Uh, <laughs> or roller skating. I, I wouldn't go to roller skating either, Pastor. Or the fellowship, the eating time. Okay, you got me there, Pastor. All right. We're on the same page now, right? We're supposed to have more involvement spiritually than we are physically. For the physical, the temporal things that are fun, They do help us. There is some spiritual help, I believe, in the eating time, I hope. I hope there's some spiritual encouragement there. And we have to have that. But it should spur us on, as uh, Hebrews 10 tells us, uh, uh, that we are to to exhort one another in the church, right? Uh, The Bible says to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the day approaching, we're supposed to exhort one another uh, to love and to good works. And that comes through, sometimes that just comes through fellowship, okay? Because this is not a, a spectator sport either. Some people might say, well, I come to church, I come and hear the preaching, then I get up and leave. Because I don't see any profit in going down and eating with, with other people. You know, I can eat at home. I get it, the fellowship is, is helpful, But the fellowship is not everything. And the preaching is not everything if it doesn't get down here to where it gets out here and we might take a track and witness and we might 
open our mouths up and share the love of Christ with somebody. And we might start thinking a little more spiritually that the person that I'm working next to is, a, 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 is, is lost. And they need to hear a gospel witness. And if they don't hear it from me, they're not going to hear it from someone else. We might be thinking, well, pastor, they could maybe uh, spin the dial on the radio and they might turn on, uh, you know, a radio station and hear the gospel there. But God put a perfectly good, healthy Christian, hopefully has been matured to the point where they could open their mouth and share the love of Christ. Put, put them right next to them in their workstation. We're not going to take our chances with them turning on the radio. We have to do what God's called us to do. And we can't depend on other people to do the work God called us to do. So we're being perfected and matured. So we get beyond the point where we're like, well, I'm only going to come for the fellowship. I'm only going to come for the skating. I'm only going to come for the music. I'm only going to come for, uh, for the fun things. We get to the point where we're not just listening to the preaching, but we're now applying it to our life. And we're now reading the scripture for ourselves. And we're now getting our, our, our spiritual tank filled up on our own so that we don't have to be uh, 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 needled and prodded to go out soul winning. But where we're taking initiative and we're saying, if I don't do it, then nobody else is going to do it. And that's okay. But I'm going to lead and I'm going to take, a, uh, I, I'm gonna take the, the, the bull by the horns here. And, I, and I'm going to be the one that takes the gospel to my city. I don't care who does it or who doesn't do it, but I'm going to be involved. Maturity, maturity. We are a church with many ministers. Amen. You are the people and it's my job to mature you by God's grace. You might say, well, I don't know how to minister. (laughs) Well, then I have failed because it's my job to mature you. Or you have failed to allow yourself to be matured. Do you know some people that uh, are, are, you know, immature and they're maybe 50, 60 years old and they're just immature? You ever met somebody? Why are you still living in your mother's basement? You know, I get it. You know, 16, 17 years old. We get it when the middle schoolers are immature. And I'm not talking just about personality, but I'm just saying just there's some things you should have just grown out of. But that's how it is sometimes in the church. We have people that uh, just because you've been here a long time doesn't mean that you are spiritual. I'm glad somebody said say it. Because I was getting nervous there. I didn't know if I was going the right direction there. We have a church with many ministers. Some people call the pastor the minister. And, um, you know, or even the really good one, the, the reverend, you know, they like to call the pastor the reverend. Sorry, I dropped all my prayer requests here. So I'll make sure I don't lose those. But I talked to Miss, Miss Angela, and she, I gave her a church. She said, well, that church has a reverend. <laughs> I don't want to go to church with a reverend. We understand that. And some people call me Reverend Hoover. I'm not going to stand there and correct them. But, but the thing is, minister is not just relegated to the pastor. Minister is a title we could all give ourselves if we're part of God's church. And it is our job to equip you. 
For the edifying, again, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We'll finish this verse here. For the edifying of the body of Christ. If I'm the kind of pastor I'm supposed to be, then our people will be prayed for by the body. If I'm the kind of pastor that I need to be, then our people will be visited by the body. Or will be loved on and will be encouraged and will even be admonished and corrected at times. Sometimes people will say, well, pastor, I just want to let you know somebody did something wrong and you need to go take care of it. Well, I wasn't there. And it might be God giving you an opportunity to graciously, to graciously, lovingly correct the erring brother or sister. Because you've already skipped Step number one, which is to go to them privately, you're already coming to the pastor. Which I understand there might be some things you might be saying, well, maybe the pastor needs to take care of that one. I get that. There are times where maybe that would be the case. But, hey, why can't we all work together as one body and be ministering one to another? Because we, and we say, pastor needs to do this, and pastor needs to do that, and pastor needs to uh, preach on Sunday, and pastor needs to uh, mow my grass, and pastor needs to shovel my uh, sidewalk, and all these things. I understand we sometimes think, well, I don't have anyone else to call, so I'm going to call the pastor to come and do this. But we should be getting to know other people in the body and be loving enough that we don't repel everyone in the body so that our last resort is doesn't have to be the pastor when it comes down to needing some physical things done at our house. But if it's last resort, I'll call up Brother Matthew and he'll come and take care of it for you. Because he sits down in the front row and he's such a good sport. Or I'll call up Brother Ben and he'll come and take care of it for you. Or maybe Silas will get old enough soon and he can come and mow your grass for you. But what I'm saying is the body should be able to take care of a lot of those things. Because the pastor's job is to mature the body. Not necessarily to take care of every single ministry need. Because we're ministers all, and we minister to all. God gave you a gift. And some of you know what your spiritual gift is. And if you don't, ask God. He'll show you what it is. And I'm going to tell you in a second how you're going to be able to find out what your spiritual gift is, okay? So stay tuned. God gave you a gift, and now why do you think God gave you that gift? For your enjoyment? No, God gave us spiritual gifts not for our enjoyment. Like I already said, it's for the body. God gave us the gift for our employment. God wants us to be involved, serving, Some people don't like that word. I don't want to be a servant. But I'm sorry that goes against what Jesus said. Jesus said we need to be a servant of all. Servant of all. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service and ministry. And so the pastor teacher is maturing the body to learn what their spiritual gift is and to employ their spiritual gift in serving and ministering and helping and encouraging and loving each other in the body. Once we get that down, 
then we cannot help ourselves but to go outside of the church. The reason we are not engaged in many churches, the reason we're not engaged with world evangelism, much of it has to do with the fact that we're not mature enough spiritually. We're playing around in church. As they say, we're playing church. We come to church, we put in our our, our tithe, we put in our offering, we listen, we endure, we sit there, we get up, and here at Souls Harbor, we actually go down to have fellowship, and then we go home. And we probably forget, by the time we get home, we probably forgot what the sermon was about. If we would mature, then a lot of the little infighting and a lot of the little issues that go on within the body would be very minimal. Because we're not so much focused on what I missed out on, what they did to me, what they said about me, you know, whatever. We would be more focused on how can I serve? How can I help? How can, you know, it, those little, those little um, petty things would go in one ear and out the other. We would stop internalizing all of these little things because those, you know, when you were in middle school, I understand we're going through a transition. We're getting into an older stage of our development as children. Middle schoolers are now young adults. They're kind of in between an adult and a child. And sometimes they don't know where they fit in. That's why they act immature. Some days they can act real grown up. And the next day you turn around and you're like, why are they doing that? Why are you eating dirt? Why are you, uh, you, know, why, you know, why are the petty things going on in high school and junior high? Because they're just not old enough yet. They haven't developed even emotionally completely and mentally even. You know, when I was a kid, when I was about 20, 21, I remember my dad saying, when you turn 19, your brain is fully developed or more developed. But I heard that for, for men, it's 25. So they keep moving the goalpost for some reason. They keep, I think it's going to be 45 next year. And they keep moving that age. You know, your frontal lobe is not completely developed to your 25. Sometimes we have a hard time processing, you know, what's going on. And I understand that that is the same thing that happens in the church. People that just, they get saved, and then maybe they get into the church, but they're not really fully plugged in. And they're not really, they're not really growing anymore because there was something that was, you know, taught. And they, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Or I don't want to do that. And they never maybe even took the time to study it out on their own. They just decided to shut down. And they still come to church, but they, 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 got, you know, they got sidetracked somewhere, and they got discouraged, or they got disillusioned, and, and, and that's why these little petty things come up in their life, and they're just so discouraged. And, and, and they are not growing. But if we would just allow God to grow us and to uh and we would just submit to what it is that the word says rather than well i don't want to do that you might be saying well uh you know that's not very nice pastor to go and, and say all these things but i want us to grow i want us to get beyond some of these things so that we can actually get out of the church and we could actually get out and start ministering it shouldn't be uh or 10% of the church coming and doing the work of the ministry outside the church, going soul winning, it should be 95% or 100%. I'm giving you 5% for the shut-ins. We understand not everybody can 
go and climb the steps anymore and knock on doors. But even as a shut-in, if somebody, uh, if you have to call somebody on the phone, you send your bill in the mail. I know a lady in our church used to, uh, years ago, she used to put a tract in every bill that she would mail out. Or she would uh, get a telemarketer. That's a live, I mean, that's, that's 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 a live person on the end of that phone. And uh, they have to listen to you. They might make a sale, you never know. But she would witness to the telemarketer on the phone. She, she uh, many times got hung up on. But um, that was her ministry. That wasn't her only ministry either. That wasn't even a shut-in. But what I'm saying is all of us can do something. But we got to get beyond the immaturity stage and get into the maturity stage. The Bible says in Psalm 165, or Psalm, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 165. You might be saying, wow, there was 15 Psalms I didn't know about. Uh, Psalm 119, now don't miss this, Psalm 119, 165. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. But verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, thy word, and nothing shall offend them. And when, I, when I, I, I see the word nothing, I think, well, something could offend me. I want to reserve just a little bit of room so I can stay offended about this little thing that bothered me. You know, somebody hurt my feelings. Nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend me. And, 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 and instead of being offended all the time about the little things that go on, let us give it over to God. Love his word. Love his word. Uh, why did God give you a gift? He gave you a gift to use in the work. It's not for our enjoyment only, but it's for in our employment. It's for employment. They're tools, not toys. Now, there are some people that say, well... Uh, you know, they just don't use me down at the church. They just don't use me down at the church. And there's some people that say, well, I, I, wish I, I wish I would get involved, but pastor doesn't have anything for me to do. We'll just show up Sunday morning for Sunday school and come early. Come early. Don't come in five minutes late. You miss out on the best things when you come five minutes late. Everything that's going to happen happens in the first five minutes. Those of you that came early this morning, you know. Now, I don't know what happened in your classroom, but the most important things happen in the first five minutes. First of all, we start with prayer usually. But you can't just come in late and say, well, the church doesn't need me. church doesn't want me. Come early. At best, at least be on time, but at best come 10 minutes to 15 minutes before church. And then don't be the first person out the door. I understand sometimes people's work schedules and things, and, and sometimes kids and whatever's going on. We understand that. But what I'm saying is, don't look at church as just clocking in and clocking out. It's a fellowship. It's a family. Come to all the services, Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Thursday night. Now, that's the bare minimum. That is the bare minimum. It's like tithing. Tithing is the bare minimum. That's where we start. Giving is above that. But coming to church, three services, that is that is when we're going to start finding ourselves connected in the body. And we're going to, you know, sometimes we say, well, I, you know, I just don't feel connected. Well, are you connecting to the body? Are you in services? Are you here? Look at Miss Angela. I'm giving her, 
we understand why she's not here. She doesn't live here. But if you live here, if you're capable and able-bodied, don't go to the sports game instead of church. Don't go to the, uh, to the movies. You should be at church. And if you're not at church, then you're without excuse for why you don't feel connected with the body. God gave you a gift to use it. And you say, well, they don't use me at the church. They don't need me. Well, get usable, and we will wear you out. Okay? Now, you know we don't do that here. We're very careful. We, we move things around. But guess what? There's people that have been just faithfully working in the church for years and years and years, and they are worn out. Because they're looking around and they're saying, boy, I'm going to keep going no matter what, but I wish there were some other people that could come and help us do ushering. I wish there were some other people that would just come and help us count. I wish there were some people that could help teach Sunday school. Because sometimes we're pulling our hair out on Sunday morning because people don't show up to do junior church or Sunday school and we're trying to figure out, well, who's going to teach a class? It should be one of those things where we have an abundance of workers and helpers. But sad to say, most churches have an abundance of spectators and very few people actually do the work of the church. I think of Miss Ann. She's got a ministry that she does at the abortion clinic. I'm actually, I didn't even think about saying this till now, but she's got the same need too. She wants people to come help her. She's faithful, but we'll stay faithful. Wherever we're at, be faithful. God's given you something to do. If you want to know what it is, if you want to know what your gift is, then you have to get into the place where you could possibly use your gift. Because why would God show you what your gift is if you're never going to use it? Get in the church. Get involved. Come to the services, number one. Come early and stay later if you can. And then uh, get to know people outside of your circle. Sometimes we get, you know, we, we have people that are, uh, you know, we get along with this person. You know, they kind of think the same way. But get outside of that circle and get to meet somebody that is a little different than you. And guess what? You will gain an appreciation for the difference. I like getting to meet people that aren't like me. Sometimes we think, well, just because they're different, they must be weird. There's something wrong with them. No, there's not. They probably think the same thing about you. Sometimes we're just fearful. We're afraid to get to know somebody that's a little different. Uh, love on people that are different than you. And, and, and how about your enemies? Even Jesus said, love your enemies. It's one thing to love your friends. Love those that love you back. Well, that's easy to do, isn't it? But how about somebody that, that doesn't like you? How about somebody that isn't very friendly to you? And there might be a reason that they aren't friendly to you, and it may have nothing to do with you. But love them anyways. Uh, give them a gift. Sometimes you can catch people off guard by just saying, hey, I, I got you a card for your birthday. And this is somebody that, you know, that maybe was uh, snobby and snubbing you and not very kind, not very, not very um, you know, welcoming to you. If you go and do something like that, you might catch them off guard. They might even take the gift and say, I don't know if I want this. There might be a bomb in here. You know, I don't know what's going on here. I don't trust this person. And, and you could take them something nice and, and be an encouragement to them. Kind of work to break the ice. Sometimes we think, well, it's on them to break the ice because they were mean to me. Do you think they're ever going to do that? But you might have gained a new friend just by getting outside of your comfort zone. 
getting outside of your social circle and, and, and getting to know other people in the body of Christ. Well, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to get along with everyone in the church and also know everyone's name in the church. I was reading about Charles Spurgeon uh, yesterday. He pastored a church of 6,000 people. He didn't have, uh, you know, uh, the modern technology that we have today, you know, an iPhone or a tablet or some kind of a Blackberry. But, you know, he got to know every single one of those people in his church. He has assistant pastors. He had people helping him run the over 50 ministries that his church had in London. He had orphanages. They had lots of big ministries. But he knew the name of every one of the people in his church. He preached over 10 times a week, some weeks. But there's no reason. Now, of course, he had a photograph. He must have had a photographic memory to be able to do that. I'm, I'm just saying, even if you want to know everyone in you know, a church of 6,000, it'd be hard to know everyone. But even if you don't have a photographic memory, who was it? We were, we were talking about, I think, where's Caitlin? You think she might have a photographic memory. She memorizes certain things. We're like, it's kind of creepy how much she remembers about certain things. Or you might be like Matthew. He's probably got a photographic memory. He was remembering some things that I just was amazed about. And, uh, but uh, whether you have that or not, doesn't matter. Work to get to know people. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care about uh, what, you, you know, what ability you might have. And you might be able to sing in church. And you might be able to, uh, you know, uh, maybe able to teach a good Sunday school class. But if you don't know your Sunday school class, well, it doesn't really matter then, does it? But if you want to be used of the Lord, if you want your ministry or, or your gift to be used in the ministry, you've got to get in the ministry. You've got to get plugged in. As they used to say, when the door squeaks at church, we were there, right? When the door squeaked, we were there. I understand there's a lot, lot more that goes on during the week, and you might not be, be able to be here for everything, but just start with the first, the very most simple thing, three services. If your work schedule allows it, if you can, move your work schedule around. I never understood people that schedule work on Sundays. Because there's enough jobs out there, you can get a different job. You could probably even get a better job. Yes, God to help you. He'll get you a job where you could be here faithfully to what he's called you to do. But if not, if you have to work, be here when you can, as much as you can, by God's grace. So we see here, uh, just to close today, it's uh, four wonderful gifts that he's given to the church. We have the Word of God. I'm so thankful for the Bible. I'm so thankful for the the ones that uh, were inspired of God to give us His Word. And I'm thankful for the person... You think about evangelists. I'm thankful for the person that presented the word. I'm thankful for the one that, that, uh, that uh, brought you and brought me to Christ. Some of you might not even remember who it was that brought you to Christ. And some of you, it was just somebody that left a Bible somewhere or a tract somewhere. But praise God for them. If you can, go back and thank them. But then I'm also thankful for the ministry of the church, within the church. We have the pastors and teachers that are, this is the church age. You've got to be at church to be uh, participating in what God's doing in the world right now. Okay? You can't just listen to VCY or uh, 88.1 and think that, well, I'm part of the church. 
It's not invisible. Okay, the church is an actual thing. You got to be a, be a part of what's going on in the local church. See, God's plan is in the church age, we have a church, but it's represented by local bodies. And you got to be plugged in. But I'm so thankful for the pastors and teachers in my life that brought me to uh, maturity in some areas. And we're still growing. We're all still growing. It's the perfecting. It's a process. Okay? Praise God for that. But what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You might say, I'm not ready to go serve. We'll just get plugged in, number one. Be here. Be here. Be in your word. But be here for the perfecting. For the maturing. And be available. You know what they say? The grace ability is availability. Availability. Be willing to help. When somebody calls on you and says, hey, can you help with this? Oh, nope, that's below my pay grade. Or it's above my pay grade, or whatever. You might be saying, I can't do that, I have no ability. You know, there's so many people in our church, this is so exciting. There are so many people in our church now, and also through the years, who said, I can't do that, but I will try. And by God's grace, they did some things that they didn't even think they could do. Some people taking care of, you know, maybe uh, organizational things, administrative things in the church. It's just so awesome to see people just say, okay, I can't do it, but by God's grace, I'm just going to yield myself to him. You know, uh, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So are you going to be the called or are you going to be the, uh, the person that just says, well, I wish I could do it, but I can't. Just say, I'm going I'm to do what God calls me to do, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and by his grace, beyond my ability. How about you this morning? Are you going to get involved with what God's going to do in your, your life, in your circle, in your church, wherever God puts you? Be willing. Or how about you? Be willing to do what God wants you to do, what God called you to do. Let's stand if we could, and let's close our eyes, bow our heads just for a second as we pray. Ask God's blessing on this, uh, this invitation time. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the church. Because Ephesians, this whole book, everything we see here is just completely church-centric. Unity, service, ministry. But God, we thank you for the church. I pray that you help us. I know there's some people that say, I, 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 I can't or I don't have time. I wish. Whatever that might be. But Lord, I pray that, that each person in here would just submit those things to you this morning. And just say, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. And by your grace... I'm going to get plugged in. I'm going to step out in faith maybe in some areas where I've, I've struggled with. I've had a hard time giving that over to you, Lord. But, Father, we do ask that this morning that as you have touched some hearts today, the Holy Spirit's been working, we pray that they would submit, give it to you, let you have it all. I do pray that you would have your will in your way in our church.